Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, movie truthers. Welcome to this week's episode of Truth and Movies. I'm Michael Leader. I'm Adam Woodward. And I'm Lou Thomas. And on today's show, Ryan Reynolds is an NPC who becomes the MVP in Free Guy. There's power, corruption and lies in Michelle Franco's New Order. And in Film Club, we're going back to Ryan Reynolds' college days in Van Wilder Party Liaison. All coming up on Truth and Movies, a Little White Lies podcast. Yes, welcome back, listeners. Welcome back, Adam. Welcome back, Lou. Lou, I must ask the question, have you ever been referred to as a party liaison? <laughs> party animal, party warrior, party lunatic, but never quite a party liaison. Mm-hmm. How oh, have you been, man? Oh, I'm very good, actually. I've just remembered something, like, years ago, for some reason, because I was always quite good at, maybe not party liaison, but introducing people and bringing people together. A friend of one friend of mine once described me as like the Jay Z of South London. <laughs> I mean, I'm not sure I ever had any like well-beating collaborations like him, but uh, you know, I like to try. Fantastic! We're happy for you to be the Ryan Reynolds of uh, the Little White Lies family. I'm sure. Adam, how have you been? Any any good highlights in the last few weeks of cinema going for you? Yeah, no, not too bad, thanks. Um... I have seen a few things which I can't really talk about. One of them being the next, next Little White Lies cover film, mm-hmm. which is sort of coming out at the end of this year, which I'm, I'm very, very excited about. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, no, not, not too much to report, really. We're about to go to print a print on the next issue, which, um, yeah, by the time this goes out, we'll, we'll have kind of um, started that process and hit that big, that big button. Um, but yeah, no, otherwise all good. Do you have a shelf date for that next issue or when we should expect it? I should know that and uh, uh, it keeps changing. It's going to be sort of like third week of August. So, yeah, kind of end of next week going into the following week. Very exciting. Can't wait to hear more. But first, we have this week's new releases to tackle. And up first, it's Free Guy. So let's start with the official line on Free Guy. Ryan Reynolds plays a humble bank teller who discovers he is actually a background character in an open world video game and decides to become the hero of his own story, one he rewrites himself. Now in a world where there are no limits, he is determined to be the guy who saves his world his way before it is too late. So, Lou, that was the line about Free Guy, and the trailer seemed like it was all within the video game world, but actually, in reality, it's a sort of inside, outside video game sort of film, right? Right, so so this is it. Um, you, you're obviously sold it as being, yeah, part of a game, part of a game, blah, blah, blah. But as, fairly early on, fairly early on, we get into the, to the thing where um, it's like a Ready Player One thing, I mean, that's the, let's face it, that's the most obvious recent touchstone when we're talking about um, films that have really incorporated gaming in a serious fashion. And obviously, it's Spielberg with Ready Player One and, you know, he's brilliant and blah, blah, blah. But, um, but this, this does it in a, in a slightly, slightly, slightly different way. Ryan Reynolds is introduced to the fact that he's actually in the game by um, some sunglasses, which he picks up off uh, another character. And uh, any big fans of kind of John Carpenter and certainly satirical 80s films will, will immediately think, oh, that is a reference to They Live. Um, for those of you who've, who've seen it, which is hopefully uh, a lot of you, They Live uh, is this brilliant 80s satire where um, 
you put on these sunglasses and suddenly you see the world as it really is. Um, so that I felt that, that was quite a nice nod. But, but anyway, sort of getting off my tangent for a second. When you're watching um, Free Guy, you, 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 I, I really like the fact that it does go on this kind of Truman Show discovery that this, this man realises that actually his whole life has been a lie. Um, mm-hmm. that, that for me was really good. It doesn't quite push the, the satire in any really serious, it's all done for laughs and he, he, yeah, I mean, he does have these moments of introspection and that's kind of, kind of nice, but really it's about the full on entertainment of him navigating this crazy world. And then he gets involved with, um, Jodie Comer and Jodie Comer is, you know, the, the kind of token love interest. She's this really cool, sexy, um, uh, character in the game called I think Molotov Girl uh, and I think she, her name's Millie is her name of her as the real life player um, and she, she's great in both roles as you'd expect um, <sighs> Ryan Reynolds what, he does his kind of regular thing but he actually plays it quite straight he's non he's N- NPC uh, non-playing character um, he's very, very straight laced and very clean cut and so on I mean, I, I think personally Ryan Reynolds is better when he's going a little bit crazy. Maybe not as full-on sort of depraved as Deadpool, but when he's a little bit rough around the edges and a bit of stubble and whatever, you, you know, he feels like he can get, get a bit naughtier. Um, but yeah, uh, it really, it, the, the, my, my thing with this film is it is very much, you know, Truman Show plus Ready Player One plus The Matrix and I've, 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 since, I've, since we watched it the other week, I've been thinking, is it actually any more than this? Does it have any more substance? And the truth is, it is entertaining. And what, and what, and what I really like about it, aside from the sort of big CGI action scenes and all that stuff, um, that the, him and his mate in it, him and his um, buddy, and this is what's kind of interesting, his buddy is called Buddy and he's called Guy. So is that, I mean, that's been mentioned in other reviews, but like, is that kind of ironic you know, a bit like in Repo Man, where everybody's named after a beer, like Bud or Light or whatever. <laughs> you feel like calling the characters Buddy and Guy is a kind of little joke the filmmakers are making you know, to, to us and with, with themselves, you know. Um, I was entertained and I did really enjoy it and I did think it was good fun. But has it, has it got any real substance? Uh, no, not really. But let's face it, we don't get to see many big blockbuster films that have an original idea. We, we know that it's mostly, mostly these days for big films, it's franchises, sequels, Marvel and DC and so forth. And that's great, that, there's definitely a place for that. But at least with Free Guy, I was like, oh, hold on, you, you've obviously taken some ideas from, from The Truman Show and you've obviously taken some ideas from The Matrix and you've obviously taken some ideas from um, Ready Player One, but yet it's an original story in the sense that these original characters and they're going about their business and and for me I was like well that's great you know let's do that maybe maybe if this film is going to be successful then maybe there'll be some other some other big studios going oh you know what let's take a chance on this original idea well I, I I'd say there's original IP which this is and original ideas which I don't think this film has many of because okay. you mentioned the Matrix and the Truman Show they live these are films that you know have some profound thorny edges to them insightful edges yeah. into who we are and how we operate within the society we're in also Truman Show says something quite profound about our relationship with television the Matrix with our relationship with the possibilities or the imaginary space of what the internet could have been circa 1999 I don't really think Free Guy gets its head around games in a similar way no but do you do you feel like you're maybe expecting a bit too much of it because not every film can be the, <laughs> not, not every film can be the matrix and they live Michael I know what you're getting at and we all want everything to be amazing all the time but maybe now is the time especially in this this current dystopian circumstance that we're living in right maybe now is the time to embrace the fact that it's just embrace the fact that it's just fun it hasn't got to change your life <laughs> I, I love your perspective on the world, Adam what do you make of free guy yeah it's it's interesting we're talking about IP because I guess this is a kind of original concept, albeit kind of cribbing from other other things which Lou has mentioned. But there is this being a twentieth century production that therefore kind of owned or sort of being released under the sort of Disney umbrella. 
Um, they do pepper in a few other sort of IP, familiar IP references. And there's a, there was a few, I mean, there's a few kind of cameos in this, which we won't spoil, but there's a few moments um, kind of later on where they, they, they sort of explore a bit more like the, the, the possibilities of this character realizing, you know, via having these like sunglasses, which essentially, uh, I guess they're kind of like wearing like a cheat code or something. It kind of supercharges your like gaming experience. Mm-hmm. And, and he sort of realizes the full potential of that. So he, he suddenly out of nowhere produces like a lightsaber, which is, is, is one of those things where, you know, if, if the bar for you now for blockbusters like this is so low that the mere sight of a, of a lightsaber, which, let, you know, let, let us be reminded that like, that is not kind of rare treat anymore. I feel like lightsabers are being kind of forced down our throat every, every few months with like some new Star Wars adjacent kind of product or like launch of something. That, that is kind of where we're at now, I think, is like you can make a film like this and just like bang in a, a, a lightsaber. And the fact that this is from the same writer as Ready Player One, mm-hmm. um, which kind of does the same thing, right? It's this sort of like big mashup carnage and there's IP flying all over the place. And it's that thing of kind of rewarding, almost like you get in a video game. It's sort of rewarding viewers with these little sort of breadcrumbs or tokens of oh, you recognise that thing. We're not really going to do anything with it. We're just going to drop it in and, and we know you're going to kind of lap it up. And, and I, you know, I think that's kind of fine in principle, but I just think it's a shame that the film doesn't really doesn't really necessarily push that anymore um, or do anything more with the kind of video game world. And this open world idea, right, it's sort of, I mean, my, I'm, I'm a, I was saying I'm a bit of a lapsed gamer, but my, my sort of reference or frame reference for this would be something like, the GTA games, right? Mm-hmm. Um, which, you know, as you know, to play, you're constantly kind of pushing at the edges of what is capable within those games. And then subsequent games are developed with that in mind. So they kind of hide in all these Easter eggs and the, these little things that you can access um, and unlock. And I think this this film doesn't really push that far enough. I'd like to have seen that explored a little bit more. Um but I think just on a kind of basic narrative level, it, it's fine. Like the, the comedy uh, and the sort of buddy um, relationship between Ryan Reynolds and Lil Ray Howery, who plays the, the, the bank cop, um, is very sweet. I actually think it's, it's the kind of superior romance of the multiple <laughs> romances that are in here. Totally. Um, although it's weird that like the, the sort of real world plot essentially boils down to um, like the stakes boiled down to there being a kind of lawsuit um which which one of the characters is trying to mount against um uh the the sort of uh, the, the sort of owner of the game basically of, of this of this game company um which which is sort of then abandoned i mean it's like that's literally as high as the stakes get it's like if you're if you're invested in these like legal proceedings then 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 that's cool but yeah the the game i think doesn't really doesn't really kind of go anywhere like the 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 story of of the game and him sort of um yeah him sort of having this awakening and realizing you know that the that the world he is in is a complete lie yeah and that's quite an interesting point so the the, the villain of this piece really is um Taika Waititi and he as we know is 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 can be quite an interesting director at times um, particularly his early stuff but but on 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 screen he can be quite wild and quite fun in 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 various roles but in this he's kind of i feel for him he's a little bit dialed down as the villain antoine uh and i know we've obviously all collectively mentioned that the thing this most has in common with obviously same writer and stuff is ready player one but in Ready Player One, I mean, I know Ben Mendelsohn is off the charts brilliant compared to many other actors. But Ben Mendelsohn in Ready Player One is a good villain and feels like, you know, that he's that. He's, he's really, you feel like, oh, this guy's evil. Whereas you don't get what Adam has, has sort of said there. You don't get, and maybe that's part of the limitations of this particular actor, but you, you don't get this. I don't feel you get the same sense of jeopardy as you do in Ready Player One. Mm-hmm. I'm finding it really fascinating. I mean, admittedly, maybe I'm expecting too much of this um, Ryan Reynolds knockabout comedy film, <laughs> but um, I'm very over-invested in the video game industry in general, particularly its cultural ascendancy and 
reception from you know the big wigs in different industries and i'm finding it very fascinating um this shift it feels in the in the depiction of that world it feels like you know in the way that other industries have their narratives and their tropes and their stereotypes and caricatures the music industry there'll always be the slimy record exec played by rob lowe in wayne's world there'll always be the the music producer who comes in and uh, there's all this stuff independent bands selling out to the big to the to, to the big labels in video games it feels like maybe post ready player one free guy um the tv show mythic quest as well it feels like we're settling into a groove now with how on the screen we see the video games and it is alpha bro nerds like taika waititi and this who have sold out to the corporate overlords who are stepping on the indie indie kids who have the great ideas which is what jodie comer's character is related to in this and the the pure video game that she created the independent video game where it was more about creativity and freedom that he turned into um a a land of carnage and violence and the central conflict at the heart of this game of, of this of this game and this film is that when ryan reynolds character guy gets his uh, sentience and is gets the sunglasses and can play however he wants he doesn't kill anyone and everyone's falling out of their chairs in in the world saying there's a guy playing a video game and he's not blowing stuff up and you know yeah, that's a that's a very blinkered view of what video games can be and it's so you know limit limiting and as a person who's very interested in the breadth of experiences and stories and characters that games can show us in in many ways more broad than mainstream cinema can um that rankled me and then it goes full space jam as you said adam with the cameos and the references and that's the thing that is really really bothering me at the moment as someone who grew up loving a lot of these franchises just to see them frittered away as easter eggs uh, is very yeah, existentially uh, <laughs> traumatizing wow it's traumatizing really man <laughs> oh okay fine maybe i'm being hyperbolic just for the <laughs> just for the listeners but this is my this is my truth all oh, right movies. i'm with you <laughs> <laughs> let's put some scores on free guy uh, lou what would you what would you give it i'm going to go free across the board purely because it's kind of fun it doesn't really mean anything at the. I, I, I know you want it. I know you want something that's meaningful, and that it, it's 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 not. It's kind of entertaining. It's fun, and it's got its flaws. Um, but it's not terrible. It's not awful. It's a free star film for me across the board. Adam, um, two in anticipation. I don't really like Ryan Reynolds, um, and I'm I'm pretty much convinced that no one in Hollywood has ever played a video game, so I didn't really have any expectations. Um, above that um probably a two in enjoyment i think it's fine in the most part but just doesn't really have enough about it it's not it's not kind of interesting or ambitious enough and actually had i that maybe would have been lower had i not been on this podcast fairly recently to talk about another film space jam 2 which is kind of based (laughs) on the the same premise of like a an ai achieving sentience i just feel like it's even now free guy feels like quite old hat um, and so, and, and, and to be honest, my, my in retrospect score would be probably about one, just because I think this is not going to be a film which kind of holds up. And it, I mean, it feels, it feels dated already somehow. It's, it's strange. Mm-hmm. It's not even, you know, come out and it, it, it does feel kind of, um, yeah, it feels like the kind of film that Hollywood was making quite a few years ago, um, and has sort of moved beyond, but you, you've got a kind of crowbar in your IP somewhere. So, hmm. Yeah, I'd give this two two maybe two one one if I'm being harsh on this film maybe two two one because as you said, uh, Lou and, and Adam, uh, the central buddy relationship is really strong and Jodie Comer. I think it's quite a thankless role for her. It's that sort of classic breakout TV star get lands their first big budget film and uh, doesn't really have the um, you know the character to shine. But seeing Jodie Comer's face on an IMAX screen, she's such an expressive actress. She's very and, she's uh, very good. I'd lo- I'd love yeah. to see her do like a full a full on comedy and her role mm-hmm. be a comedic role. I think she'd be really good. Yeah, she's so magnetic on screen. So, uh, listeners, I think that's trending downwards uh, around the table in terms of our our, our response to Free Guy. But let us know what you think if you do see it. If any gamers out there want to weigh in as well, tell me if I'm way off base. You can do so at the usual channels at LWLies on Twitter or via email truthandmovies at tcolondon.com. 
www.mexicoreport.com. Up next, we're going to Mexico for New Order. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive in June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. So, new order. In contemporary Mexico City, a lavish high society wedding is interrupted by violent rioters who take the house by siege. It soon becomes apparent that this seemingly random attack is part of a violent nationwide uprising as one political system collapses and a more harrowing replacement arises. So, Adam, this um, film uh, generated a lot of chat. Uh, back end of last year premiered at venice Mm -hmm. won a prize at venice but uh lots of uh (laughs) lots of responses from all over the political map what what do you make of this yeah so michelle franco uh, you know as you say won um the grand jury prize in venice and actually that kind of backs up a pretty solid career he, he he's had kind of making films i think after lucia won a prize in Cannes um almost a decade ago now chronic um which was his last but one film I think was released here to sort of fairly positive reviews um so he's got a kind of good pedigree um and and I think the the, the first thing to say about this and, and I, I saw this for the first time like last week um, and kind of missed all of that festival um the fallout from that which I think is is yeah it's always kind of interesting seeing a film then almost in isolation like after the fact um but I would say it's a very specific perspective and I think he is obviously referencing and, and, you know, tackling a lot of very kind of real fears. And, you know, if you, if you kind of look at the political climate in places like Mexico, Brazil at the moment, and, and obviously, I mean, throughout the West, really, um, I think he's kind of tapping into something that is that does feel kind of very tangible and very real. Um, I think just on a kind of basic structural level it didn't really work for me this film I think the the idea of this this lavish um sort of bourgeois birthday party being crashed um is an interesting setup I'd like to have seen it maybe be teased out a little bit like it feels like there's they're in this kind of almost you know gated um almost like a sanctuary right it's everything's very kind of if they, they feel cut off from the real world there's no sense of the the space or the world around them and then suddenly that comes crashing in but it happens quite early in the film and then from there everything just unravels and it becomes more frantic and more crazy and it feels like he's he's achieved and pulled off some very impressive like action um and and sort of set pieces where you have you know essentially scenes which look like they've been pulled from television footage of a riot or or some kind of uprising so you have burnt out cars and police in in kind of riot gear 
just kind of running around very heavy-handedly, um, and then you have these these insurgents who whose cause initially is kind of unclear, um, and 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 they're sort of you know executing people in the street, and and the whole thing has just got this yeah very chaotic energy, but kind of felt to me like it didn't really have anywhere to go after that you know it, it sets that up pretty early on and then you're just kind of watching and it's uh, we should say as well it's only 86 minutes this film mm. so it's not it's not a long film um but i was kind of waiting for it to get there in the end you know what i mean it was it, it just kind of felt like it ran out of ran out of ideas or ran out of um ran out of anything insightful really i think to add to to this i mean we've seen I think an interesting companion to, to a film like New Order would be um, firstly something like Roma, um, Alfonso Cuaron's film from a few years ago, which has that amazing scene where, um, which is kind of based on, you know, re real protests which were happening at, at the time when uh, Cuaron was kind of living in Mexico City and experiencing this firsthand. But you have a kind of snapshot of that and it's sort of in, it almost suddenly just um, interrupts the film you're watching in a really visceral way. I think he achieves something in like one or two scenes there in terms of the way that these kind of events unfold and the way that they often quite kind of, yeah, violently and, and dramatically kind of interrupt real life is, is um, yeah, he touches on something I think really interesting there. And actually something like Baccarat as well from I think two years ago now, which I think is just a really, just on a satirical level um, works much better and is just more interesting and, and, and far more entertaining than this. I'd also throw in the mix uh, uh, La Llorona, mm. the horror film as well from last year, which sort of deals with sim similar themes, although I think what unites some of these films we just mentioned is that it, the perspective is different. This is very much focused. You start in the in, in the gated community with the upper class, um, you know, m multimillionaire white Mexicans, and then you see that that incursion happened on their household and their home and mm. maybe you're, you're in their shoes. Um, Lou, what, what would you make of this? You, you were nodding while Adam was talking. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of in agreement for the, for, for, the, for the most part in that the way he kind of mounts... I mean, I know this is not really the, the point of the film, but the way he mounts the actual action and, and sets things up, you know, the wedding, the way the wedding is suddenly crashed... Like those, that's that scene and the way that's built up, I thought it's done really, really well. And when the daughter takes the um, the, the former um, employee and then goes to you know goes to sort his medical situation out or whatever, you know, they're they're sort of driving off in a car and the sequences in the car when they come up against the riots and all that sort of stuff. That that kind of the way that's done, the the the, um, the movement. And, and the way we're sort of immersed into that, that journey around the city reminded me a little bit of even stuff like Children of Men, you know? It reminded me like there's the, you're sort of right in there, you're right in the middle of it. And that I thought was really thrilling and really interesting. Um, and, uh, but but the, uh, specifically what Adam was saying, what I was in agreement was with the way that it kind of, it does give you this, this kind of exciting action, but then where does it kind of go after that? And there's these executions and so on. Where does it go? And it doesn't really, and you know, it's 86 minutes. It kind of feels like it runs out of steam a bit for me. Um, and you obviously, like this guy is obviously a, a talented um, director. Uh, but the other, the other thing, I mean, and this is perhaps the other thing, he's sort of apologised for, for the way some people have read it. And he's uh, like, so politically, on the surface of this film, it's um, the poor finally rebelling against the rich. That's the, the overall thing. The, the poor finally rebelling against the rich and overtaking and executing all the rich. But, but the way they do it is in a really fascist way that obviously the, the South American junters of the 70s and 80s and whatever, we, we know that this stuff went on in South America, certain South American countries. We know that it did, right? And it's like to suddenly sort of portray this as... Um, in this particular fashion... I, 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 don't, I don't get me wrong, I don't think Franco's saying... Um, necessarily saying this is what we should do. We should we should execute everyone. We should be really fascist and really heavy-handed about it. But if he's not saying that, what is he really saying? And I'm I'm not sure what he's actually saying. Yeah, I, I think I've seen this um, compared to two films from the last year or two. So it, it had comparisons with Parasite because Parasite also has this 
great clash con- class consciousness and turns violence towards the end um with literally the servants coming out of the basements and uh, and disrupting a party um but also joker um which also won won a big prize at venice very recently mm. and i suppose people are using positive negative there positively for parasite negatively for joker maybe it's a lot of empty provocations that in the end um satisfies or a sort of white fears over um you know anyone else's because unlike parasite it's i don't really feel there's much of a satirical edge to the um depictions of the upper class and when that first those first scenes of uprising you know of the the home invasion happened the sort of looks of glee on the face of the former servants as they sort of whip off their um their you know their their workloads and start looting it's very pointed and i don't think that michelle franco really has a point there are sort of other twists and turns of cynicism as he goes on so it it is probably a little bit more like joker in the sense it is maybe empty political provocation by the end but I, i i agree with you both i think the opening scenes i've always been fascinated by the idea of great violent acts happening just out of just out of earshots um probably all the way back to me being a kid and waking up one saturday morning and hearing there'd been a bomb in manchester city center and i'm like wait a second but there are birds flying outside it's all Mm -hmm. peaceful here or likewise living in london and hearing of all things happening literally down the road and actually where you are it's fine and it's something quite chilling about knowing that things can happen so close and the, the way that they're having this party with you know some techno remix of the wedding march playing and they're all dancing around and then someone steps out for a cigarette and you hear helicopters flying and explosions down the street there's something quite well controlled there um but i don't think it really pays off in the end but let's put some scores on this um adam you first yeah i quite liked chronic um which was the last of franco's films i saw so i'd go in with a three for anticipation i think enjoyments are maybe not the right word um maybe a Two, I don't, it's so I'm so torn between a two and a three because I think technically it is a very accomplished film. I think in terms of actually my what I got out of it, it would be a two. But I think I can I can appreciate on a kind of craft level what he's doing here. Um, and then yeah, I would say maybe a two in retrospect. Um, the Joker comparison I think is maybe a little bit over overstated, but. Um, I prob I mean I don't say this lightly, but I would probably rather rewatch Joker than this. Okay, but oh, that's strong words, Adam. Lou, well, Joker or not, it's certainly no Parasite. Let's face it, you know. Um, anticipation. I almost feel like I shouldn't really give a mark because. I should whisper it, but I hadn't seen any Franco films before this. I was obviously aware of his work and blah, 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 but I'd not seen any. So I feel like it's unfair. I mean, I should probably give it two and a half as a midpoint. I know I'm not allowed to, but you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I mean, maybe we say two because I was kind of like, well, okay. Um, enjoyment. Mm, go on, I'll go as high as three for enjoyment. Go on, twist me on. And um, in retrospect... Yeah, probably only a a two, actually, in in retrospect, because, like, you know, I've watched it twice now. I probably won't watch it a third time in my life, I'll be honest with you. Because someone (laughs) will say, should we put this on? And I'll be like, nah, Parasite we've got, Joker we've got, you know. Mm -hmm. I'd I'd give this um, three, two, two. I'd seen Michelle Franco's previous film, April's Daughter, at Cannes a few years ago, and that's a a wild, very provocative melodrama that I know uh, turned some people off, but I I quite dug. Um, But yeah, this didn't really come together for me. And some of the films we mentioned earlier on, like like Baccarat, uh, La Llorona, I'd, I'd recommend checking those out instead but also one great thing about a film like this that's so provocative there's such great writing about it out there Mm -hmm. and if uh, listeners want to go and see a film that maybe will you know see a film go and have something sweet afterwards have a long chat this is the sort of film that will provoke that conversation can i just very quickly add as well that he has already shot his next film and it's going to be in competition in venice this year so it's life comes at you fast when you're michelle (laughs) franco but yes it sounds pretty good actually it's it's um tim roth holidaying in acapulco as a, as a kind of, I think it's another sort of wealthy, sounds like quite a cynical um, satire on sort of wealth. But yeah, that, that, that we'll be reporting on that. Um, so yeah, look, look out for our sort of first look take of that in, a, in a, well, about a month's time. Yeah, very much looking forward to that. Listeners, let us know what you make of this or Free Guy if you see them at the cinemas 
this weekend, uh, usual channels at LW Lies or Truth and Movies at tcolondon.com. Up next, back to Ryan Reynolds, all the way back to the early 2000s for Van Wilder Party Liaison. So listeners, some of you may not have even been born when this film came out, so a bit of synopsis recap. In this bawdy college romp, Van Wilder is a college stud who is in no rush to graduate. But after six years of partying, his parents have stopped paying his fees. So he comes up with raunchy money-making schemes to stay on campus. Then he falls for Gwen, but the question remains, can he turn over a new leaf and start to grow up? Oh, big questions to start. But first of all, guys, this uh, we, we don't often talk about how we get hold of the films uh, that we talk about in Film Club, but I think we all should shout out CEX. Of course, other secondhand shops are available. Van Wilder is not one that is currently streaming on Mubi or BFI Player or <laughs> your August uh, streaming service of choice, but it is in the £1 bin section of your local CEX. Uh, and I think we had a nice little tour of South England's <laughs> CEXs, didn't we, to get this. I, I picked mine up in Brighton. Lou, where did you get yours? I rocked over to uh, Bayswater, uh, just um, you know, a bit, bit of sort of the fringes of where central London hits West London, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> and Adam, yeah, sort of, uh, Islington was the closest that had it in stock. It's funny, actually, I've not been into one of those shops in so long, and and I, I sort of very tempted to pick up more things from the kind of one pound section. Amazing mm-hmm. what what stuff you can get in there. I mean, I, I'm sort of. In terms of like, we've spoken about this before, Michael, but aside from vinyl, I'm not really like a physical media guy for, for films and stuff. But yeah, it was quite, kind of um, hard to resist picking up a few, a few extra thing, things in it, there. It can be quickly become a habit because uh, there are all sorts of ways of gamifying your trip to CEX if you want to you know sell off some of your own DVDs and then just with the voucher, you know, go in and don't spend any money. The mm-hmm. £1 section. I love going to the really big ones that you sometimes get in city centres. So the Birmingham city centre one is huge. And the £1 section is like an entire wall. And you see, you can see like what DVDs were so popular that people bought them, but not so popular that people kept them. <laughs> and what so Inception or something. Yeah. There's like two entire racks of just Inception. But also it's really good. You, you kind of can go travel back through time and realise that a lot of what was put out on DVD didn't come out on Blu-ray or came out on Blu-ray in a different way. You mm-hmm. can buy those big, like, Cary Grant, Buster Keaton, uh, you know, Betty Davis box sets, which have like 12 to 15 films crammed in for, you know, £10 there. It's really good. I, I mean, let's, let's face it... Um... Undoubtedly, there are some people who are a bit sniffy about this kind of thing. But the truth of the matter is, what's the biggest the biggest issue with cinema and film? It's accessibility, right? And it's it's what you can get. And some people haven't got a tenner for Netflix or tenner for movie or whatever. So if you can nip into sex, spend a couple of quid and get a couple of films, it's not ideal, right? Yeah, and that's exactly what we did this week with Van Wilder. I only bought one copy. I didn't buy a couple of copies, though. Lou. <laughs> um, so, where, where did did we watch this film at the time, Lou? Were, were you a fan already? I um, fan. Yeah, <laughs> I, uh, I I don't think I saw it at the cinema, but I saw it relatively soon after. It might have been probably before it was on telly. I probably saw it, you know, and people were like, because when I was, you know, in sort of twenty three, twenty four, whatever it was. Um, I definitely would have had friends who would have been like, yeah, this is the funniest thing since blah, blah, blah. And actually, I remember there is a guy called Dave that I knew from years ago. I used to work with him B&Q back in the the day. And I'm sure I would have had a chat with him and he would have been like, yeah, that's well funny. And I would have been like, yeah, that's wicked. Now, oh, well, I mean, (laughs) let's face it. The highlight of the film is a massive, massive load of dog jizz. Now, (laughs) the listeners are probably thinking, Lou, are you sure, mate? But... The truth of the matter is there is a, a, a really stomach-churning sequence where um, Van Wilder and his pal, who's played by Cal Penn, um, who is um, terrific. I love him. He's in Harold and Kumar. Um, he's in some other good stuff. But, but anyway, he and, and Van Wilder, they basically masturbate um, uh, Van Wilder's dog and they, they basically fill these eclairs with these dodges. And it's both completely disgusting, but also hilarious and brilliant. And it's like, you know, I really did feel like shouting cinema when I was watching it. <laughs> 
my stomach is turning with, with that description of it. Uh, just, <laughs> just on that note, can I can I give a shout out to Roger Ebert's original review of the film? Is the, the, op- the opening lines of which read, read as follows: Watching Van Wilder, I grew nostalgic for the lost innocence of a movie like American Pie, in which human semen found itself in a pie. In Van Wilder, dog semen is baked into pastry. Is it only a matter of time until the heroes of teenage gross-up comedies are injecting turtle semen directly through their stomach walls? Which I think is like a, a perfect opening line to review. And sadly, Ebert's prophecy so far, I don't think, has ever come to fruition. But, you know, it's, it's a good marker of kind of where we were at in the, in the sort of early noughties, turn of the century. Yeah. And I mean, it's interesting that this came out only, I think, three or four years after American Pie, but it already, I think at the time, already felt like, wow, we, we kind of, this is getting quite dated and quite, quite old quite quickly. Mm. Um, it's an interesting thing, I think, around, I'm kind of thinking about a lot of, the, a lot of these types of films, which I, I was at a very um, impressionable age when this film came out, and, you know, it would have been the sort of stuff that probably did appeal to, to, to me at the time. But there's something interesting, I think, in this um, recurring motif you get in a lot of these teen gross-out comedies and, and films of this ilk where uh, the central character is displaying some form of arrested development and essentially refuses to, in this case, graduate, but essentially grow up, right? And I think it, it taps into this interesting, you know, Y2K, Gen X existential fear, I think, about, like, growing up and facing the real world. And I think there is there is some, like, interesting broader kind of cultural criticism to be to be kind of written around these films um but yeah i mean you know what what do you say about this now i think aside, aside from the fact that it's racist uh, misogynistic <laughs> ableist ageist you know there's like casual bestiality you know mm-hmm. it's it's kind of fine <laughs> exactly exactly it is completely ridiculous and it is like completely unacceptable, really. Like Adam said, it is. It is. But the thing is, do you do you go down that line and say it's this, it's this, it's blah 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 blah? I mean, yeah, we could, we could, right? And uh, but is it is is it not also completely harmless at the same time? I mean, it's completely harmless because no one's watching this film nowadays. It's very much been left <laughs> I, I, I don't, in two thousand and three. I don't know about it being harmless. I think it's just the fact that this this reflect is reflective of an era in which mm. films were kind of made by white men for white men. Sure. Um, um, and so, you know, from from that point of view, it's not necessarily harmless if you're if if that kind of represents you. But I think, yeah, it's it's it, it's an interesting kind of time capsule. I think of like where. Very main. I mean, you could not you could not make a, a kind of mainstream comedy like this now. It, it wouldn't, wouldn't even pass to. the first. No, you wouldn't want to exactly. No. It, it wouldn't pass the first kind of script phase. Um, that being said, I think this is, it was really interesting going back and seeing Ryan Reynolds' real mm-hmm. kind of first breakout moment. I mean, he'd, he'd been in a handful of films before this, but I think this is kind of seen generally as like his first starring role. Um, and he is basically playing the same character um, as he plays in sort of Free Guy. I mean, it, you know, just just in the fact that yes, it's a different setup and a different setting, and and he is you know personality-wise playing a different kind of character, but he's still very benign. He's essentially like a nice guy. Um, yeah. He's not like nasty or mean-spirited. I mean, he's almost um, you could say a little bit philanthropic in this, in in, mm-hmm. in kind of in his pursuits, which is sort of quite an interesting thing. Um, he's quite kind, isn't he? That's the mm. thing. He is like fundamentally. I mean, I, I, you're right to, to obviously highlight the fact that it, this is they're very much a product of its time. No question. This is there were loads of things like this being made around the time, and yeah, obviously by even by then, even actually even by the standards of 2002 and 2003, yeah, it is yeah homophobic, racist, blah blah blah. You, you know, if you want to take it to that, it, it depends how and it depends how seriously you take these things. And well. But it doesn't feel it doesn't feel malicious, malicious. I know that's like mm-hmm. a weird. I'm not trying to apologise for any of those things. Obviously not, right? But um, it, it is. He is a kind person, and he is. He is like, like like Adam said. He is like fundamentally a nice guy, and he's trying to help out his mates, and that is what he's about. I think that's what that gets to the central appeal of Ryan Reynolds as a performer. So he's coming out of this wave of teen movies where you that even the nice guys there was this sort of 
very of its era toxic masculinity mm-hmm. behind them of their expectations mm. of the way they looked at women etc whereas ryan reynolds does have that softness and endearing element to him that maybe took him a decade to really turn into his on-screen persona with something like deadpool where even if he's doing the most you know you know, wise cracking sarcastic stuff on screen there's still something quite warm there and that sort of gets to, to something that's strange about van wilder it has some pushing the envelope almost as far as it will go in terms of the gross out humor and the you know, unpolitically correct politically incorrect aspects but it is also at heart First of all, the star vehicle, which most of the teen movies of the era aren't. They're mostly ensembles. If you think of American Pie, Road Trip, there's not like a breakout single star. And it's also a bit more of an 80s throwback. It's really interested in being like a mix of definitely Animal House. It's got the National Lampoon's stamp on it. But stuff like Breakfast Club and Ferris Bueller, you have the the, the teacher from Breakfast Club is the teacher in this. And you've got Tim Matheson, who's from Animal House, as uh, Van Wilder's dad. And he his performance in his character Van Wilder almost operates a bit more like an 80s um, comedy star like a Belushi or a Bill Murray or mm-hmm. a Chevy Chase or even like you know, Rodney Dangerfield in Back to School because he's almost just walking through this film as a personality um, almost making fun of it as he's in it. We, we should say as well that he, he Van Wilder himself is not demonstrably racist or homophobic or any of these things and actually I think the film is very self-consciously pushing boundaries uh, of of bad taste and it is very deliberately um, you know politically incorrect I think it's just that we've kind of reached a point where you know it's obviously this film came out kind of pre-social media I imagine the focus groups would have all been kind of white teenage men. It's 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 a film which I think there was less scrutiny around that stuff at the time, quite honestly. Um, but yeah, Ryan Reynolds, I mean, if you kind of look at Deadpool as like the apotheosis of the Reynolds brand, I think it's really interesting just how how early on he kind of establishes this. I mean, yes, he goes on to make kind of things like um, he was in one of the Blade sequels and Smoking Aces, and he kind of does his like Hollywood action hero phase. But essentially, he comes back around to doing Van Wilder-esque characters. Um, certainly within the last decade, that's now pretty much, I'd say, his sort of go-to mode. Deadpool is obviously a bit more like an extreme, at the extreme end of, the, of, of that spectrum. But, you know, if you look at kind of, I don't know, the Hitman's Bodyguard or, yeah. um, or you know, the, the various things that he's made, Free Guy, prime example... Um, he is basically playing the same character. And I just yeah, mm. just think it's fascinating to, to look back on that now and see that trajectory. And he has tried over the years to do other things. I mean, Blade, Blade Trinity and X-Men Origins Wolverine and Green Lantern weren't the successful ones. But when he's in films like The Proposal, Sandra <laughs> Bullock, Buried... Um, uh, the Voices, which is a film that I can go either way on, but I know there are Ryan Reynolds fans out there who say that his performance in that is particularly strong. He does challenge himself, but it does feel like now he's leaning more into the Ryan Reynolds personality. Do, uh, Lou, uh, do you have any standout Ryan Reynolds performances that we should go and check out? Hmm. I don't know. I mean, actually, you know what? When we were talking there, I, I was actually thinking about... Um, he cameos a little bit in um, some of the Fast and Furious films. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. 
Hobson Shaw. Is yeah, it, isn't it? I was just about to say Hobson Shaw. I recently rewatched, and I actually really enjoyed it. I know it's only a couple of years ago, but I actually really, for me, it's my, the favourite of the Fast and Furious films. And in that, he's this wicked blend of it's the fast, fast, fast talking and the throwing in the jokes and the the kind of like he's pretending he's to, he's he's not pretending. He genuinely feels like he's best mates or he's buddies with the Rock, and the Rock's always just basically mugging him off. And, and I love that. I, I, I'd watch a film, a, a film of purely Ryan Reynolds doing that. That's probably my favourite Ryan Reynolds um, performance. Although, having said that, um, recently, a, a couple of months ago, there was um, The Hitman's Bodyguards, or The Hitman's Wife's Bodyguard, or, or God, I can't even think of the title. <laughs> that's, how, that's what a convoluted title it is. But actually, like, I quite enjoyed him in that. I thought that was fun. I mean, I'd, it, wouldn't it be great? Wouldn't it be great one day to see him go genuinely serious to see to see if he could do it and you know what i feel like there is an earnestness there if, if he really wanted to do it because as we've said he can be he is kind of this sweet guy isn't he you know within within the the crudeness of the jokes and the whatever he he is he there's a sweetness to him and, and there is this earnestness right there right deep within him so yeah maybe future oscar winner ryan reynolds you heard it here first right <laughs> Well, in, in the next few years, he's making Deadpool 3 and a remake of Clue. So, you know, that kind of tells you where he's at, I think. Yeah. He could be interesting in something like Clue. It's a very different approach he, to... I'd like to see him in the Tim Curry role, if they're kind of remaking mm. it quite directly. I don't know. I mean, he he's not a patch on Tim Curry in that kind of, you know, mode. But mm. that, that would be quite good, seeing him basically with a bit of a poker face on. Um, well, yeah, we'll have to reassemble the, the three of us. When that comes out, and we can see how Ryan Ronnie Reynolds is uh, is doing at that point. Lou, Adam, thank you so much for joining me this week to talk about Free Guy, New Order, and Van Wilder party liaison. Listeners, we've said a lot of stuff this week. A lot of contentious opinions have been spoken on this podcast. So let us know what you think with your own thoughts, especially about Ryan Reynolds. I I think you know he's a well liked actor. My take though is he's never been in a great film. Uh, let me know if I'm wrong at LW Lies on Twitter, truthandmovies at tcolondon.com. Next week, Censor, Nicolas Cage in Pig, and in Film Club, we're dusting off a video nasty, 1981's Possession. Subscribe wherever you pod. If your podcast player of choice lets you leave reviews, we'd love it if you left one for us. Thanks for listening. See you next time.